Welcome to the Biz Times MKE podcast and another episode of the Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at Biz Times Media, and I'm joined on the Weekly Debrief, as always, by Biz Times Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? Good. It's, it's, it's rumbling a little bit in the third ward as I see the Harleys go over the home bridge. It's Harley anniversary time in Milwaukee. Can't quite say it's a literal buzz, but it's definitely a, a literal rumble. Uh, sure. From rumble from uh, the yeah, from the uh, the anniversary celebrations. We're used to this happening in the fall around Labor Day, but uh, moved up a little earlier this year. Uh, exciting, exciting times. Uh, we will be talking about Harley here in a second, along with Summerfest and and all things Milwaukee summer. Uh, before we do that, though, let's do our insider story spotlight. That is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. If you're not an insider, please do consider subscribing. Insiders get access to all of the articles on our website, biztimes.com, discounted admission to some of our events, and other insider benefits. So please do consider signing up. Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week? I'm choosing two stories this week, and they are both about reports dealing with affordable housing uh, in the suburbs. Um, one specifically looking at and, and, and naming ideas to improve housing affordability in Waukesha County. Another one looking specifically at Wauwatosa and the need for more affordable housing and more multifamily housing Um in that community, we just continue to hear about housing being a challenge in the region. We've written a lot about it. We've written about initiatives in Sheboygan County. We've written about it really throughout the area. It's interesting to me that there were two reports that were just out this week. Um, I just had a meeting with a, a leader of a, of a major developer organization. And when I was asking him, you know, what are some of the hot issues you guys are dealing with the first thing he said to me was housing so housing development housing affordability is a real issue right now you know around the country and certainly in our region despite a lack of really a lack of population growth region-wide uh a need for housing um and affordable housing you know with with interest rates rising with construction costs rising it's harder for developers to build uh, lower cost, kind of so-called affordable housing or workforce housing, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's an issue that can that continues to come up. And we got stories about two reports uh, dealing with suburban affordable housing issues. So it is a major issue that that uh, is, is is ongoing. I think the key. Part of what you mentioned there is the it's not it's not an only a southeastern Wisconsin issue. You know, there's no. you look around the country, there are you know, different differing levels, but there are differing you know levels of, of housing inaffordability almost anywhere you look. You know, so whatever you think about maybe the you know the whys of of why you know there's difficulty finding it currently, I think it should standard reason that solving it is a really critical issue when you think about be, uh, you know our region being competitive 
um, yeah. against other areas. You know, um, you can have your, your thoughts about why we're in the spot we're in, but we got to figure it out, you know, and the regions that figure out how to do it and how to make it possible and make it work and have a thriving economy and a, and a, a well-balanced housing market are regions that are going to thrive going forward because workforce and, you know, access to talent is such a huge thing for companies of all sizes and all industries. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it does connect directly to another major issue, which is you, you keep hearing from employers about the challenges of attracting employees, you know, filling the work, getting the workforce they need to grow their business. Um, that goes directly to the housing affordability as, as one of the, the components of that. Um, you know, if you're going to be able to have a, a healthy labor force, they need places to live, especially younger workers. And, and, and then you get into the war on talent and young talent. Um, housing affordability is key for them as well. So, yeah, these things are really connected and, and it's certainly going to be a major issue that our region is going to be wrestling with for some time to remain competitive. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. I had a story that'll be in our July 24th issue focused on labor markets uh, and talking to folks who are in, in the talent game every day. You know, it's still the, it's still the candidates market even eased a little bit, but 2.4% unemployment is awfully low. So uh, yeah. my insider story spotlight this week, uh, going to focus in on a story uh, our real estate reporter Hunter Turpin uh, had uh, about Golden Pet Manufacturing, uh, the maker of Dr. Marty Pet Food. Uh, they are up in Germantown, kind of along Holy Hill Road. They're planning a 130,000 square foot expansion. And that is great news. We love to hear uh, about businesses expanding and creating more jobs and, and all the things that come with it. That's great. Um, so check out Hunter's story for more details. The reason I wanted to bring it up is, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, you don't, seven, eight county region, you know, you don't get to every part of the, the, the region all the time. But I had a chance a week or two ago to go up uh, 41 and actually happen to get off at the Holy Hill Road exit. Um, and you get to the top of that off ramp, you look to the east and the level of development that has taken place in that area. Uh, now, granted, I grew up in Germantown and I, you know, drove literally just, you know, grew up just on the road from that spot and uh, drove that road plenty of times when it was just a a farm field or farm fields. Uh, so I have that picture in my head. But the mm-hmm. amount of, uh, you know, the number of buildings and things that are uh, industrial buildings, especially that are up there now is just um, it's a quite a shift. And it was kind of all kicked off by Briggs and Stratton opening a warehouse there. Um, and coincidentally, uh, they've already shut down operations at that and kind of shifted their business. Uh, so it's good to see another company that, that moved into that area um, having some success. Yeah, that certainly has become a hot spot for industrial development. I mean, uh, you talk to industrial real estate people and you often hear that that market is very strong. Vacancy levels are very, very low. It's hard to find space and it's also hard to find good locations to do new industrial development. I mean, you know, you need the infrastructure and you need, you know, places where communities are willing to accept industrial development. It's just not a type of development communities want to see everywhere. 
And so that corner of the region that you're talking about has become really a hot spot uh, for industrial development in recent years, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, shift gears here in a moment to our big story of the week. We're going to talk about Summerfest. We're going to talk about Harley anniversary. But before we do, want to quickly highlight uh, one of our upcoming events. This event actually doesn't take place until November, but we need your help. It's our n- annual Nonprofit Excellence Awards. Uh, we every year recognize companies for their corporate citizenship and philanthropy, and we recognize nonprofits for their great work. Uh, but we need nominations. So if you are a nonprofit or you're a corporation involved with a nonprofit, uh, please do consider checking that out and submitting a nomination. We have categories, uh, corporate citizen of the year, corporate volunteer of the year, in kind supporter, next generation leadership. Uh, we really like to highlight nonprofit collaborations. It's great to see when nonprofits find a way to work together to both, uh, you know, realize, uh, gains on their own missions. Uh, nonprofit executive of the year, nonprofit organization of the year, social enterprise, lots of categories to choose from. So if you're interested to check out more on that, go to biztimes.com slash annual dash events, click on the nonprofit excellence awards button and check that out. Nomination deadline uh, coming up here at the end of August, August 25th. Please do consider that. Let's shift then to our big story of the week. And first thing we want to talk about Summerfest. Uh, wrapped up its three weekend run with attendance up 40% this year, which is good news if you are Milwaukee World Festival Inc. However, we are still 13% down from pre pandemic levels. Uh, and we had a, you know, obviously outdoor summer music festivals, uh, you're, you're taking a gamble on the weather and, uh, we had a pretty good, um, stretch of weather for that. Um, a lot of things went in their favor and we're still 13% short of pre-pandemic um, with this new format held across three weekends. You know, it's a, a thing to watch, I think, going forward. You know, what is this a new normal? Uh, are we returning? You know, I'm still on the comeback. Um, is Summerfest just in a different phase now? What's What do you make of all this, Andrew? Well, certainly we've seen an evolution of Summerfest, you know, and, and this is all happening. And remember, it's Don Smiley's last year leading Summerfest. He's led Summerfest for 20 years. He, um, you know, he, he succeeded Bo Black, of course, and Bo Black in very different leadership styles, needless to say, of Summerfest. Bo Black was, you know, endlessly promoting the festival um, during her time leading it with a really strong emphasis on, on attendance. Like, I think her her, her strong belief was... Make summer, make Summerfest, this is the place to be. You gotta be at Summerfest. If you're not, be there or be square kind of thing. And, you know, just endlessly hyping it. And, you know, in her, in her, her day, Summerfest had attendance that reached and exceeded a million people throughout the run of the festival. Um, after she left and Don Smiley took over, his approach was different. His approach was, okay, we don't necessarily want to just pack as many people as possible on the grounds. Let's focus less on total attendance and more on making Smurfest be a high quality event. And, you know, maybe fewer people attend, but if it's a higher quality event, they'll spend more money and they'll have a better time because it's not as crowded. And 
We can add more amenities. And certainly during Smiley's tenure, the entire festival grounds was transformed with uh, fantastic renovations really to every, every, every major stage on the grounds had a makeover. So, but, you know, we've definitely seen attendance wane to a point that I don't really want it to, to decline this much. Certainly you had the pandemic that threw a major wrench into things, forced them to cancel Summerfest in 2020, then forced them to postpone Summerfest to the fall of 21, which really didn't really work, but at least it was back. And then the, that same year, they decided, okay, to shift from the traditional 11-day Summerfest run, which you know typically was basically two weekends with a week in between, and um, to go with a three-weekend setup, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three consecutive weekends setup, so a nine-day split-up weekend format. Um, and needless to say, that's one of the bigger controversies in Milwaukee, I think. I think you hear a lot of debate about this. There are a lot of people who have gone to SmartFest for years and frankly do not like this format. Uh, you, you hear it again and again. Now, Smiley has said that they did a big survey of their patrons and, and even just obviously studying the data, they could see, well, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, drew the best attendance and they did their surveys and certainly they found that people prefer to go on those days. So they felt, you know, it makes more sense to do a festival that's a three weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday run, rather than having, you know, even Sundays or Monday, Tuesday or Wednesdays uh, be operating. There's some people who did like the old, like I said, there may be like that old format and, you know, Having a, the attendance rebound significantly this year is very, very encouraging. Um, and like you said, Smurfest had a lot of things go well for them this year. They had very good weather. Uh, the only thing that really went bad was Jimmy Buffett had the cancer. His concert at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. So that was a big loss. But otherwise, the festival had a pretty smooth run this year. And yet, attendance while up significantly from the previous year, still not at pre-pandemic levels. And so it really has to make you wonder if this three-weekend format really is the best approach. They are already planning next year to continue to use that format. So we shall see how it, how it goes moving forward. But um, you're, you're, you're going to continue to wonder if attendance doesn't get back to where it was pre-pandemic if this is the right, if this is the best option. Um, what is the sweet spot for attendance for Summerfest? What is ideal? I'm not yeah. sure. Um, you know, 600 some thousand is a pretty strong number regardless. So, you know, but, you know, at, at one time it was a million. I mean, pre-pandemic it was 700, 800,000. So, yeah. you know, it's a See, lot to consider. I think that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing to compare it to the Bo Black era when when there was such an emphasis on attendance and yep. let's pack the grounds. But even, you know, look, 2017, 831,000, almost 832,000 people. That's not the Bo Black era. That's recent history. Yep. And to me, I just, I can't imagine that you really build, I mean, this almost feels like the kind of thing where it's like, I mean, it's not, you know, it's, 
the the preference people express versus what they actually want. Um, you know, people, yeah, I mean, would I prefer to go to Summerfest on a weekend when I don't have to worry about getting up for work on the next day? Yeah, that's my preference. But also, you know, summer weekends fill up and people have things going on and, you know, people go on vacations and all there's, it's a busy time of, of year, even if it's, you know, a little bit slower part of, of the year, it's, it's, it's still busy and there's things going on. And to me, it just feels like it kind of, fades into the background more you know i would guess you probably get people going who like there's someone they want to see they're committed they want to go i'm gonna guess you probably get fewer people who say what are we gonna do tonight oh summerfest is going on let's Mm -hmm. you know pop on over there i mean there was a couple years i remember playing you know volleyball league at bradford beach and you know it's like a tuesday night league and we finish up and say, Oh, let's go down to Summerfest. And next thing you know, you're hanging out till, you know, close toward the end of the the night, you know, I mean, you're not going to get that as much when you're only on the weekends. Plus you're limiting the options for who's touring, right? I would have to think this limits who you're the available pool of talent you can draw on um, just by pure logistics, right? Because Oh, I'm touring. I'm going to be in, I don't know, Chicago. I'm going to be in Minneapolis this night. I got to be over, you know, call it Detroit the next or a couple days later. I can stop in Milwaukee on this point. Well, now you only have these set little windows versus slotting someone in over the course of, you know, an 11 day period. It's a, you have a little more to work with there um, versus, you know, it's got to be, this spot, this spot, or this spot. So to me, I, you know, I wonder if they're really going to be able to um, sustain that and if people are going to like it, but it's also Milwaukee pastime to complain about Summerfest and um, <laughs> what, uh, what, what's going on there. So maybe I'm, I'm just jumping on the, the, uh, the complaining bandwagon because, <laughs> you know, why not? Very true. That that is absolutely a tradition to complain about uh, Summerfest or the the line. The lineup is always the thing. The lineup, yep. So, yeah, it'll be very, really interesting to see. Uh, Summerfest is such an important part of the city's culture, and it's it's economic activity in the summer. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, going forward how this does. They could always switch it back, you know, to the old way. Yep. So. I'll be curious for uh, the new leadership, um, uh, what direction it goes in. Yeah, we'll wrap up here in a few moments, but uh, let's quickly touch on Harley Davidson and their 120th anniversary celebration, which is going on in Milwaukee this weekend. Um, typically, as I mentioned at the top, that's a has been a, a Labor Day end of August kind of time frame that that's taken place. Um, this year moved up to July, um, events going on at Veterans Park and the Harley Davidson Museum and, um, all over town. Our, um, intern Ellie Batten was out and about on Thursday taking photos. So we got a few of those on the website. Uh, if you want to check that out. Um, so certainly, you know, great anytime any kind of event brings people from all over the country, all over the world into Milwaukee. Uh, with their wallets and uh, their willingness to 
leave some income behind. Um, that's great for the city. Uh, not so great if you're, you know, trying to sleep maybe, but, uh, <laughs> hey, it's summer. Uh, you know, it's okay to stay, stay up a little later. But, uh, you know, what to you, Andrew, is like the, the big deal about, about Harley here? Um, what I think is interesting is that Harley has talked about this being now an annual. This has been a, you know, every five years they have these huge anniversary celebrations in Milwaukee. I think going back to either the 90th or 95th anniversary, I forget which one was the first real big one, um, that they did in Milwaukee. And now we're at 120th. So every five years we've been ac- accustomed to these massive Harley events and a great surge in tourism activity when it's held. Um, they're talking about now having the, that be an annual event. Uh, I guess it's hard to imagine that an annual event could be as big as these robust ones that have been every five years, but um, could be very beneficial if it's an annual event. So we're going to be watching to see how big this, the how the event goes this year and the impact it makes and certainly tracking it going forward as, as they want to make this now an annual, an annual party here in town mm-hmm. bring it on <laughs> you going to green day tonight or foo fighters on uh, saturday um i may drop by if i have to choose i, I i'm gen x so these are right up my alley <laughs> uh indeed um if i had to choose one to be foo fighters but uh not sure yet all righty well we'll leave it there um like you said we'll, we'll continue to, to follow this and look for more photo coverage uh, from us coming up. Uh, until then, uh, that'll do it for this week on the BizTimes MKE podcast and the weekly debrief. Thanks for joining me as always, Andrew. You bet. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.